1: That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
2: Hey, what's up? This is Jason Bittner from Flotsam and Jetsam in Shadows Fall, and you're listening to Talk Metal.
3: Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast. Thanks for joining us here today on the show. We have two special guests, the first being Victor Ruiz, my co-host, special guest co-host today. Victor, how are you? Good. How are you, Mark? Good. The second being the current drummer of Flotsam and Jetsam and also Shadows Fall, Jason Bittner. He's on the uh, show here. We're going to hear from him a little bit later. Victor were you a big flotsam and jetsam fan back in the day
4: uh i caught on to them probably around the quattro album which was early 90s that right. had you know some sort of a six some sort of success at the time i was in college radio so that album mca i remember pushed the hell out of the album. so it got a lot of airplay and uh, I believe Dave Ellefson also contributed to that album as well. So it was one of the first times that he had written anything outside of Megadeth.
3: Cool.
4: So um, so yeah, I'm aware of them since then.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was never like a, a hardcore fan of the band, but right. I will say that I always totally respected them. I saw them for the first time live. Actually, the only time I've ever seen them live was in 19... It had to be, I want to say... 89 ish, maybe 88, I'm not sure, at the Empire Rock Club in Philadelphia, where I, I saw, I think, only two shows at that club, but both of them just off the hook, a crazy great hard rock metal club. I saw Heaven's Edge there, which was more of a Bon Jovi esque type of band, and then I also yep. saw Flotsam and Jetsam when they came through town, and uh, remember the place just going nuts for them, um, and always respected them, of course. Something that's really tied in with their history is the connection with Metallica, because, of course, Jason Newsted right. got his start there in this band, Flotsam and Jetsam, before leaving the band to go on to to join Metallica. And, of course, our guest today, Jason, uh, Jason Bittner, the drummer, he only just joined recently, like maybe two years ago or so, so... Having said that, let's get into some old Flotsam and Jetsam here on Talking Metal. This is going way, way back. Again, this features Jason Newstead on the base on this one. Hammerhead from 1986 by Flotsam and Jetsam. little old school Flotsam and Jetsam here on the podcast today. That was Hammerhead going way back to 1986. And uh, Victor, real quick, before we get into some some listener feedback here from the Talking Metal hotline and some, some emails that came in, uh, give us a little update what you're up to podcasting wise, uh, your shows and, and maybe who's coming up as special guests, what you're talking about.
4: Sure. Uh, I just released an episode on Mars Attacks with, uh, Carly Coma from the band Canderia. Um, have a bunch of other interviews lined up. Uh, have Kyle from the Sword, which should be out. Cool. Uh, this coming, uh, just spoke to Herman Frank and Graham Bonnet also. I, I know both of them have been making the rounds, but, uh, uh, that Graham Bonnet album that he just released uh really really great strong album was pleasantly surprised with that uh, right so he the interview is somewhat revealing in the fact that uh how his contract is structured with Frontiers and uh why the album is a double album uh because it is new tracks and it is old tracks which uh Graham sort of explains he sort of did because the label wanted him to, not because he actually wanted to. So
3: cool. Well, we look forward to checking out that interview on Mars Attacks. And what about your other show, Galaxy of Geeks? What's coming up on that?
4: Galaxy of Geeks. Yeah, we're we're definitely ramping up for the uh, Star Wars season. Rogue One is uh, less than a month away. Uh, there's plenty of other things that we're we're actually recording an episode tomorrow and we're going to talk about everything from walking dead to uh actually star wars rebels and the implication with rogue one uh we're also going to be talking about um the the various marvel and dc shows that are currently running as well so
3: very cool what's what what's your favorite marvel or dc not movie like tv show what are the if i was going to pick one of them you know i watched a little bit of what is it the supergirl one i thought it was all right but it wasn't something that was totally like captivating me um what what are some of your favorites Uh,
4: supergirl is something that i'm not a huge fan of either so i can definitely
3: yeah uh, i didn't uh, dislike it but it was just like it was kind of like yeah it was all right you know
4: If I want to go with the the DC stuff, which is on CW, in my opinion, The Flash is their best series. Um, Right. And you also have to take into consideration that it's based off of a certain time period with Flash Comics, which is the Silver Age, which is around the 50s. So it's very friendly. It's PC. It's – It's very much for that CW crowd. Um, If you want to go with some adult content, you can't go wrong with any of the Netflix Marvel series. They've really upped their game to a point where those Netflix series are probably better (laughs) than any of the movies that they're releasing from Marvel or DC because it is geared towards adults, at least for my liking. So there's – (laughs) yeah. A ridiculous amount of, <laughs> of of gore. Well, not so much gore, but you have like Game of Thrones level, like action and people being killed and uh, fight scenes and profanity and even sex and different things that really are in the comics, but are scraped away to make it you know PG or you know friendly for TV. But if you really want to examine those old Daredevil comics or the old you know, Luke Cage comics—they're—they've all got some gritty things going on. So, right. Netflix and Marvel have really teamed up to do something that really reflects that. And obviously, it's not perfect because, uh, you know, there are people—you uh, know—that are gung ho and, and and over the top hardcore that will pick out every little thing. But the shows, in my opinion, are entertaining, and and in the end, they're all. One hour episodes, more or less. And it's almost as if you're watching, uh, you know, a, a 13 hour movie, per se, because it is done in a fashion similar to what HBO has done with Game of Thrones and all of their series. It's short, it's compact, and for the most part, it's straightened to the point where it isn't, you know, a gluttonous 24 episode series that you need filler just to, you know, sell ads and everything else. So I think that. You know, definitely Netflix and HBO have really catapulted themselves above everyone else with knowing how to cut away all the fat and really you know give you exactly what you're looking for so
3: right on and you know you mentioned rogue one coming up which i'm sure you guys are going to be discussing on the galaxy of geeks podcast which you just said you're going to be discussing but um i'm i'm speaking of netflix i'm totally into this bloodline tv show now with ben mendelson who will be one of the main stars in rogue one and what and a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. This guy is uh, bloodline. I highly recommend this. It's a Netflix series. Uh, very, very intense, very g- great stuff. Not science fiction. It's about a, you know, it's about a family, uh, siblings in their like forties and their family dynamic of running a resort down in the key West area and living in, in that area. So it's, uh, it's f- just excellent, excellent acting on this show, especially by Ben Mendelssohn, who is the one of the leads, I guess, in in the at least I'm I think he's a lead, right? At least on the on the, the bad guy side, right, Victor?
4: Yes, I believe you're correct.
3: Yeah. In Rogue One. So Good stuff. So having said that, check out Victor's stuff. We link his shows when he posts a new podcast through the Talking Metal Facebook page. It's Talking Metal uh, Digital. So if you go to facebook.com talking metal slash talking metal digital, you get all the new shows from Victor, from Talking Metal, from Mitch Lafon. It's all right there on that one page. And you can check out both of the shows, Mars Attacks and Galaxy of Geeks, uh, the two shows that that victor mentioned previously here so having said that let's get into some calls from the talking metal listeners and i'm gonna let these play in full and try not to talk over you guys as you're as you're uh as you're delivering your your voicemail and uh victor and i will respond after the voicemail is complete first one is from jerry
5: mark this is jerry the ghost show was amazing King's Theater was awesome. Yeah, no, it totally than amazing. Even Radio City Music Hall. The music podcasts are awesome. I never would have guessed
3: Thanks, thanks.
5: I listened to He Is, which you played on your podcast. I'm a fairly new listener, probably since 2015. Love the Excellent. music podcast. I don't know how any of these people are saying they don't like hearing new music. My age is 51. I'm into Maiden Priest. I know all the old stuff. It's the new stuff that I, I can't keep up with. It's coming fast and furious. So when you play it on your podcast, I give it a check. I like it. I download it, burn it, and put it on the phone. So I've gotten uh, 111 plays on my phone already from listening to He Is. Wow. So keep up the good work. Cool. and Keep playing music. And fuck Eddie Trunk.
3: All right. Thank you, Jerry. And uh, wow. Um the, the theater victor where jerry was saw the ghost uh, performance last weekend i was there john astronomy was there Ray Chin, my friend who i work with was was there a lot a lot of people at this show sold out show this theater victor was just absolutely incredible i, I don't know if you saw i posted some pictures of the interior of it on my on my facebook page but have you ever heard of the king's theater
4: uh, actually seeing your pictures was the first time actually seeing your pictures and actually uh, my coke Co-host for Galaxy of Geeks, uh, oh, right. uh, Chris Ooh. Vaglio was there as well. Um, cool. It looks like an amazing theater, and and again, I've I've never heard of it before, and it's cool that there's another really neat looking venue in the New York area uh, yeah. to put on shows like this.
3: Yeah, I know White played there, which I did not see, but the the uh, the Ghost Show that I was at last week just excellent show and whenever you're at a... Uh, this theater is so massive too like i bigger than like if you remember Roseland in the city or um, you know Hammerstein. definitely much bigger than those places at least to me it felt that way i don't know what how much what the capacity seating is in in, e- in either one of those places but it it felt larger the room itself was larger whether it held more people than like a Roseland where everyone's crammed together without seats i that i don't know i'd have to look that up but Great, great place to see the show. And Jerry, thank you for your call. Um, You know, Eddie Trunk, uh, you know, uh, I I worked for Eddie Trunk on season 15 of the of that metal show, or I didn't really work for him because, believe it or not, he was more the host of the show. Um, I worked for VH1. I worked with him, I guess I should say. And, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed Eddie's show on his... His Q104 here in the city, it was definitely an influence way back in 2005 when we started putting this show together. I always say that the two people who really I I took the idea for Talking Metal from was Michael Butler's Rock and Roll Geek show was a big influence on me. And also Eddie Trunk's FM radio show where these guys would just get on there and talk about music and, and Eddie a little more serious tone, Michael a little more silly, fun tone at times. And I really always have a lot of respect for Eddie Trunk. However, I do know that um, sometimes his opinions do get to people. He's made it clear he doesn't like Ghost, and there is sometimes uh, a lot of backlash against Eddie Trunk. What what do you think, Victor?
4: Um, Similar to you, I mean, when I started doing the podcast, outside of you giving me the you know proverbial push in the direction of doing one, Eddie Trunk was definitely the other guy that. You know that really influenced me with um, not only doing a show but being such a music nerd. I mean,
3: I and he's went from wasn't he back. from your area? I mean, I know he he went yeah. to high school in Madison, but didn't he live out in the Dover area? Victor, guys, he's in Spain now, but he's originally from <laughs> Jersey. Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, he went to high school in Morristown, but he lives in, yeah, in Madison.
3: Madison. Well, he yeah. used to live in Madison. Yeah. Oh, okay. He lives, um, Yeah, he lives out in Dover now. I think. Morse Plains, Um, maybe. Morse Plains, actually. That's where he lives. I mean,
4: they're they're fairly close to one another. The the station that he first worked at, which was WDHA, was uh, about a mile from my house. It was always announced as being a Dover station because they were originally located in Dover. Um, And technically, when he worked there... They were in Randolph, New Jersey. Uh, So, I mean, I was a kid that would listen, you know, Friday nights, Metal Mania with Cheryl Richards. They had um, Eddie Trunk doing the um, Metal News at 12 at night. And, I mean, he went through a a lot of crap with her because she would make fun of him every chance she could. She would call him Donut Boy and things like that. And it was... It was almost unfair and at the time though he was the only sort of outlet that I knew of that would tell you, you know, what KISS was up to. What you know, when Vinnie Vincent Invasion fell apart, he was the one that told everyone about that when I mean he would have you know, even special shows where before he was the full time host, he would have anthrax on or overkill or, you know, a lot of these bands that he worked with at Mega Force and it was cool because you could tell that he had sort of a a good friendly relationship with these guys, and you know it was more than just your standard, you know, how's the record coming along, how's the tour coming along, type of thing. So, right. Um,
3: he so had a I passion. Mean, for th- he brought a passion to it, yeah, I and mean, he still does absolutely. to this day for the bands that he he likes for sure.
4: Yeah, my only gripe that that I will say with him, or my biggest one is that. He uh, – his his personality has almost eclipsed um, who he is per se. I think I've met him before. I've talked to him before and he seems like a nice guy. Uh, but he also seems to want to take credit for a lot of different things that whether he's actually been the catalyst for or not, he he th- – there are just a lot of things that maybe he – Wants to think that he spearheaded that he actually didn't, but right. th- there's one thing that I posted about a year ago on on my other site Earpeeler, where he he's asked flat out, you know, about new bands and whatnot, and and he says, well, you know, there there won't be any new bands in like 10 years time, and this and that, and radio stations really have to get behind them, and and basically. The person interviewing him asks, Well, what new bands are you into? And he says to the interviewer, all nonchalant, he says, Well, not for nothing, but I put this band together called the Winery Dogs. And my right. first the first thing that went through my mind was, you know, technically yes, they're a new band, but Mike Portnoy, Billy Sheehan, and Richie Kotson have such a massive fan base, they're far from a, you know, unknown band that needs press per se so I don't know it just it it was almost like he was actually playing up what he was saying that he was sort of against so but whatever that's his prerogative he's that metal show going off air I will say and I know a lot of people take that same attitude as as Jerry um, that metal show going off the air is a massive hit for hard rock and metal whether you like Eddie or not whether you like Don Jameson or um, Jim Florentine or not, as you've mentioned this before, you know VH1 really guided that ship and really made them have the host that, or I'm sorry, the guest that they had on the show. But how many other outlets are there at that level at this point in time that call any attention to hard rock and metal? There aren't, and that's why a lot of people should really should really have taken that into account. When that show was on, and instead of seeing it as, you know, oh, fuck those guys, you know, we want to see, and sh- sure, I want to see Talking Metal on Fuse as well, or I would prefer to see you guys on there. But well, the fact of the matter is, <laughs> they were the only ones at that point in time. So it sucks that, you know, the right. metal sort of community were. Yeah divided in the yes let's get behind them no fuck those guys type of a deal
3: yeah yeah and and listen the 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 fans that those three guys have just on their own are are pretty hardcore and i I, i've I've witnessed that firsthand the the (laughs) you know i'm friends with jeff who is the producer of that metal show he's the one who hired me to work on the 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 last season of it um did I say season 15? I think I think I meant season 14 earlier. But the final season I worked on of that metal show even let me host some of the the web-based stuff and let me yeah. produce whatever I wanted with that. It was a great, great job to have. I'm currently working on reality shows in a fucking nightmare. But um, <laughs> ha- having said that, Jeff um, Bumgardner is the producer, and he somehow has... Gotten the name That metal show He owns that name He is shopping it He's been shopping it For over a year To other stations And there I can report This is no secret There are no takers As of yet Um, He continues Mm -hmm. to try To get it going Uh, I, I have ideas On how it should be shopped I think he needs to Bring investors in I think he needs to Set it up as a On demand type service That you could get Like through An Amazon Prime Or Roku or something like that, but he still believes that, that there is a home for this and it can be resurrected on a station just like it used to be on VH1 Classic. Uh, we'll see if that works out. I think the, the technology is changing the way people consume content is changing and it's a hard, hard sell. And I'll tell you this, uh, you know, not always to bring it back to talking metal on fuse, which was at this point, what, eight, nine years ago, but we were the second highest rated show on that, on that channel when those episodes came out. They continued to rerun the show for over two years, and we always did well in the ratings for them. But when you're getting 50,000 to 100,000 viewers per episode, which is, is not m- much, it's a very hard sell to take that somewhere else. Fuse was a station that just lost money. Guess what VH1 Classic was a tax write off. VH1 Classic didn't write w- make any money. So when you hear that oh well it's the it was the top rated show on VH1 Classic. It was the only show on VH1 Classic really <laughs> and <laughs> you know uh, what they'd have occasionally metal evolution or or some hip hop show or something but it was really the, it was the flagship station show of that station and And it's still, you know, I saw the ratings each week. I mean, we weren't talking about millions of people watching this show. We were talking about a devoted fan base between, you know, 50 to 80,000 each each week watching those new episodes. And, And that's just, you know... I get five thousand listeners on on this podcast. You know that's that's like right. that's not you know and and I'm not spending a hundred grand to per episode. You know, I mean, so it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell. Um, and I only hope that it ends up back on some sort of platform because whether you like it or not, I do think it was uh, like you said, Victor, a, a really great outlet and something that a certain portion of the hard rock community really embraced and loved. And uh, I think the more metal on TV, the more hard rock on TV, the more music at this point, just the more music on TV, the better. So I, I hope yes. for the best. And if I hear anything, I will definitely let you know. I'd love to work on that show again. In some ways I enjoyed working on that metal show way more than I enjoyed hosting and working on my own show on, on fuse, because it, it, it was just, the the crew and the people who work on that show were just such professionals and and just ran so much smoother than than what we did on on fuse which just seemed like there was just constant conflict and and uh, infighting at the fuse station wasn't as, uh, wow. united as, as the, the folks that worked on that metal show were. Yeah. And, uh, they didn't, you know, all those people truly, even if they don't like hard rock or heavy metal, I mean, Jeff bumgardner isn't even a, a big metal guy, but, but he believes in what they're doing so, so much. And it was a great, bunch of people to be involved with for you know the four months that i worked with them four and a half months whatever it was cool let's get on to the next call and this one is jb allen hey mark this is me, here we Allen i just wanted to give you a shout okay. out hey thank you so much for doing so much for metal
6: and giving guys like You're me are uh, welcome something to be stoked about i just want to give a uh, A request for something off a New Testament album, Brotherhood of the Snake, which I think is phenomenal. Yes, Uh, I do too. Maybe Pale King, which I think is a really strong track. But I hope you guys are doing well, and thanks so much for all that you do. Take care.
3: Right on. Thank you, JB, for the message there. And right now, let's get into some New Testament. This is The Pale King. The Pale King. Have you heard much of the New Testament, Victor? Yes.
4: It's good, right? Yeah, it's it's really good. Alex Goldman's
3: guitar playing just is insane. He's so great.
4: Yeah, and this album, really, I mean, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. You had Formation of Damnation, which was such a good, strong album. It was such a great comeback, and so many bands flounder after their comeback. They came out with um, the follow-up to Formation of Damnation was equally as strong in my opinion, and this album, Brotherhood of the Snake, is just ridiculous. You know, as you're saying, Skullnick is over the top with his playing. Uh, Chuck Billy has almost like taken his vocals into another gear. Uh, Everything he's done on the last two albums, he's taken that. Plus, he's added like an even more melodic aspect to it. It's just a crazy album. I was I was listening to it again um, today, thanks to thanks to JB, and I was easily thinking this. You know, if I do a year end list, this is easily, in my opinion, top ten, and could possibly be top right. five. I mean, it's that strong.
3: Right on, right on. JB, thanks for your voicemail. Thanks for requesting that song. The New Testament definitely is rocking. Guys, leave us a voicemail 973-757-1917. I'm going to jump over to an email right now. Um, This is from Martin, who touches bass with me frequently. It's always great to hear from you, Martin. First of all, happy birthday. Thanks, Martin. hope it's a good one. Uh, It is. Actually, today is my actual birthday that we're recording this. I'm going to see Enough's Enough tonight. One remaining member, Chip's Enough, but I'm I'm cool with that. Looking forward to it. All right. uh, So let's see, Martin, I'm not going to read your whole thing. You mentioned the election. Yeah, we're kind of over and done with that for now. Um, Plus, people get pissed off when I talk politics, so I try to avoid that. I have to admit, uh, oh, you you were interested in the Crowley stuff I mentioned. Yeah, Crowley, fascinating story. Uh, Jack Parsons, even more fascinating story, and they tie together. If you don't know Aleister Crowley and Jack Parsons and how it ties in with even Scientology, I highly recommend researching that. And Martin then says, I've been listening to Talking Metal for, I think, four-plus years now, and I'm always... I've always enjoyed the shows as the hosting duties have evolved. I've missed John at the start, but you've made the show your own, so I don't think anyone can argue with that. Having said that, it's really nice to hear John making odd guest appearances now and then, and I'm pleased you guys are still friends. Uh, I enjoy Metal Raps too. He goes on to say some other stuff. Um, mm -mm. Let's see. Sadly, I don't buy much music. (laughs) said that they prefer non-music. Pointless, but there you go. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've been asking people if they prefer the the music versions versus the non music versions of the show. Martin seems to like the music version of the show. Martin, you've always been a great supporter. Thanks so much for checking in with us, and um, let's get into another call right now.
2: Yo,
5: Mark, here we how's go. Going? Uh, it's Joey. Good.
3: Um, good. How are you?
5: Scottsdale, Joey, Montana. been listening nice. about three or four years now. And I love what you're doing with Talking Metal. I love the variety. I like that sometimes you've got interviews. Sometimes you just play music. And I like getting turned on to new metal. Uh, I like you've got your wife on. That's cool. So, yeah, I like the variety. And, uh, see, my favorite band is Type O Negative, And uh, it'd be awesome if you could score an interview with one of the guys. One of the remaining members. I know Pete's gone, but... Um, yeah, and, a uh, request. How uh, about some typo negative and something off, uh, well coming down? Yeah, Right on. Thanks a lot.
3: You got it. There. You got it, Joey. Thank you for checking in. This is Everyone I Love is Dead, typo, going back to 1999 here on Talking Metal. <laughs> little typo negative requested by joey from scottsdale arizona joey thank you for checking in and you know victor it's interesting you know i'm hearing from people who have been listeners of this show you know for th- three to f- the four years and and it, it, which to me it's like i always have this idea that talking metal everyone thinks of it as the mark and john show and i'm always trying to to justify it that john isn't really involved like he used to be He's, I mean, hell, thirteen months went by where he wasn't on the show at all. So, it, it, for, for for me, it's like it, it's like I forget that there's all these. I almost feel like we have more new listeners now that don't even really know the old era that 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 you knew. And you know, so remember the Talking Metal forums, which I think is where I met you, Victor. Right on the forums. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like I feel like those days are so far gone that I guess I'd, I you know, I always wanna bring John back on to to kind of nod to the old days and you know and, and listen, the bottom line is John isn't calling me saying, let's do another podcast. It's always me reaching out to him. Hey, you want to get together and do a podcast. You know, but I, I don't know. Another part of me is just like people don't long to have John on the show. I mean I, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on on that? And I mean speak freely. John doesn't listen to this show, so you know <laughs>
4: Um I I will say that I enjoy when John is on the show. Um Well you're an
3: old school listener. Like when did you start listening to the podcast? It had to be like 8 years ago at least, right? Was it because uh, of the Fuse show?
4: No, because I was here in Spain already, so I didn't oh, okay. know of the Fuse show until basically until I met you in person and you gave me a DVD of the interview that you guys did with Slash. Um or I probably knew of the show via the forums basically, but I didn't have access to to watching it. Um, I jumped on board, I'm assuming like a year and a half, two years into when uh, Talking Metal first came on around, uh, what, 06, 07, somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, I – Talking Metal is one of the only shows that I still frequently download. I still have a shitload of episodes to listen to, but well, um, well. but but I still listen to, you know, on a on a fairly frequent basis. I, I will say this, and I mentioned this to you in an email that um, hearing Emily do the interview with Jeff Tate was really cool because uh, obviously Emily knows her shit. Um, she's well spoken as well and i think a lot of these people a lot of you know people that we tend to interview it's like ah oh, another guy we're speaking to so when they actually get to speak to a female and on top of that someone who's very competent and knows their you know their music vernacular and their history and everything else i think it helps them open up a lot more with everything that they've said about tate over the years i mean that to me, was just like a regular conversation where, right. again, it wasn't your paint-by-numbers thing, and it was like, "Wow, that was so cool to listen to her." You know, get him to open up. So, as much as you know, people, old school people, may miss John or whatever, and you know, I've always had, but more I don't of a know if they do
3: you anymore. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like I don't know if they yeah. do anymore. That's the thing. It's like, it's like I feel like I have this idea that people want to hear John back and that he because he listen he was an enormous part of the show for the first five years we've been on right. for 11 years now it's like it's like he and he was you know he it was a gradual decline in his participation yeah. on the show and behind the scenes I mean he hasn't done a talking metal interview in like three years probably maybe four you yeah. know since we did the the talking metal live show you know so it's it's like you know, I listen, I still have fun doing this. I'm i I, yeah. I not trying to make money doing it. I I love donations. I love that people use the Amazon links, but it's like, this is just a fun hobby at this point for me. And I enjoy it so much more now that it's become that honestly. So
4: v- very cool. Yeah. And, and like I said, I've always, I've always had the one-on-one connection with, uh, with you. I mean, Again, you were the one that sort of gave me the shove in the door to do the podcasting, and I've always been in contact with you on a fairly frequent basis. And I mean, honestly, we did the um, the last batch of live shows going back what two years, probably right. a little bit more than that. And and I mean, John jumped on towards the end of that, so there was even like a one year, one in change, almost two year period where we were doing shows a lot where he wasn't even involved he was involved towards the end and when you know i I think the last show we ever did with him was when we actually had mitch lafon on and it was the four of us so um but uh yeah Yeah. i mean i I think what you're saying is is extremely fair as, as well um that you've been the catalyst behind everything and I mean he's, he's helped out tremendously in the past. He helped with you know a lot of hooking you up with interviews and different things. but things have evolved like everything else in life and I mean I, I think if if people just get to hear you on the show, get to hear your wife on the show and a, and a revolving door with other people, you know I don't think there's I don't think anyone can be really upset about that.
3: Right on. Right on. All right. Well, we're we're really getting into uh, overtime here and we still have not heard from Jason, our interview with Jason. So right now, let's uh, listen to one more call. This comes from uh, David, whose son is named Harrison, just like like my son. And David has been a, a longtime listener. I love this guy. I believe he's in he's in New York. And uh, yeah, believe we have met him hey, a couple Mark. of times, I think. This is David
6: Isaac. Hey, David. I just paused the podcast and picked up my cell phone and called, just like you said, To A couple thoughts. I guess you you, you were talking about people um, that have been with the show for a while. Can't say I've been there since the right. beginning, but probably pretty close. Um, the thing I think I miss the most about John not being around is just his kookiness. I love those stories where he would, right. just, he would start talking about something, and I was like, where the hell is this guy going with this? I still remember the one about and some um, people love those the giant rat some people on his foot him, but... in New York City. I still yeah, think about that. It was just a hysterical story. Um, I think my favorite, my favorite episodes at this point, you know, guest aside, because I mean, sometimes if there's a great guest, I don't even care who's interviewing them. But I, I really like the shows that you do with Victor. Um, Victor, I think he brings yeah, something well, really good to us He's here today, to it, Victor. As a, as a fan of music and as a, as a good interviewer. Um,
3: and I agree. Definitely. I'd
6: say the same for the stuff that you're doing with Emily now. I mean, it's, I've only heard a few podcasts with her doing the interviews, but I really do like the interviews that she, that she does. Um, definitely a different dimension than there was with John. Um, and I think really good just in terms of, of pure interview and getting, getting, uh, the artists to talk about good stuff about themselves. um, I don't know if that's helpful or not, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, I mean, honestly, though, I'll, I'll listen to what, whatever you put up there. I just, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed you. I've enjoyed the show over the years. And um, Thank kind you. of like, you know, almost feeling like I'm your friend at this point after this many years, you know? Um,
3: oh, absolutely. A couple dude. other
6: quick thoughts, um, not show related, but just a couple new things that I'm, that I'm listening to. Um, I absolutely love the new Glenn Hughes record.
3: Oh, so yeah, me too, heavy man. and so
6: hard, and what, what an amazing talent as a songwriter and as a performer. Um, I'm enjoying the heck out of that record. And um, also just picked up the new, uh, the new Graham Bonnet CD, um, the book.
3: Yep, Victor um, just mentioned um, like that. Yeah. the yep.
6: new stuff that he's doing, and also I'm really, really enjoying the re-recorded versions of the stuff with the new, with the new band. Um, hard to decide which disc to listen to, you know, stuff that you've heard so many times and just a fresh take on them versus, you know, brand new music that's in that same vein. Um, really good stuff. Anyway, um, keep up the good work. Continue after all these years to still Absolutely. really love the show and love what you're doing. And um, hopefully see you out there again sometime soon. Take care. Be well.
3: Thanks, David. And right now let's get into a little new uh, Glen Hughes. This is... My Town off the Resonate album which is just a really good album
1: This is my town this is my low this is my town
3: Little Glenn Hughes, My Town, Resonate, really digging this record. Uh, David Isaac mentioned the the Graham Bonnet record, which you said is really great, Victor, right?
4: Yep, absolutely.
3: Cool. And you got an interview coming up with Graham. That hasn't been posted yet, right?
4: No, it has not.
3: Cool. Well, we'll look for that soon on, on Mars Attacks, which is one of Victor's podcasts. And without further ado, let's finally get into my interview with Jason, the drummer from Flotsam and Jetsam, and Shadows Fall here on Talking Metal. This song is called Taser. We're gonna play a little, new, a little bit of the, this song, a sound sample, if you will, and then we'll get right into my interview with Jason. It's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line, Jason Bittner from a lot of different stuff, including Flotsam and Jetsam. Great new record, Jason. So uh, glad to be talking with you tonight. Thank you. And obviously, this is a a legendary band that has just an incredible history. Uh, Let's talk about how you came into the fold with them. I guess you've been with them since uh, about 2014. How did you get involved with uh, Flotsam and Jetsam?
2: Um, I got a call from my <clears throat> very good old friend, Kelly Smith, who uh, was Flotsam's original drummer. And uh, he called me up and he said, basically he's having some family issues. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in his world that was, detracting from his ability to um, commit to the band fully, um, which is understandable. You know, family always always, always comes first. And uh, he asked if I would be uh, interested in, in taking over the chair. And, you know, he knew I was a fan for years, and I said, absolutely. And at that time... It just turned out that Shadow's Fall was pre- pretty much going on hiatus because John joined Anthrax. Right. So, you know, that pretty much put us in a in a state of flux. So right as, you know, my band was kind of closing down and I was wondering what I was going to do next, you know, Kelly called with, with, with this opportunity. So I, uh, I said, absolutely. And, uh, you know, a month later I was out in Phoenix, jamming songs with the guys. And, you know, the next few months later, we're writing and recording a record. So here we are pretty much two years later.
3: And what a record it is. It's just great stuff on it. Some of my favorite tracks. Uh, the the opening Thank cut, you. Seventh Seal, great. I really love the song Creeper. That's just a great, great groove on that one. Uh, Iron Maiden, kind of a, a great song, kind of an interesting Song. Let me ask you about that song. Is that I mean it sounds like Maiden, you know, is was that uh was is that a tribute to them? What what's the story behind the song, Iron Maiden?
2: No, you know, any that you have dual guitar harmonies, it's gonna sound like Boston or Iron Maiden. That's right. that's pretty, pretty much what's gonna happen. Um and when we started when the the music for that song definitely has a maiden feel. Um and AK, every time AK started writing lyrics for it, I mean, everything he'd come up with, he just said, it sounded like Bruce Dickinson, it sounded like Bruce Dickinson. So finally, see, finally, he was like, well, fuck it, I'm just going to embrace my inner Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. And, you know, it turned out to be, you know, and the song is not a cover of the song Iron Maiden. It's about right. the torture device, of the Iron Maiden. Yeah. But it still is a tribute it's still a tribute to the band because, you know, they're, our, they're our favorite metal band of all time. And, you know, let's put it this way. They're, they're amazing and we love them. So, you know, it's a little bit of a tip of the hat to them as well.
3: When you guys started working on this record, how conscious were you as, as a newer member of the band, like about the, the history that this band has and, and how did that influence the, the writing of these songs?
2: Uh, I mean, I've I've followed the band since I was a kid. You know, I saw them for the first time in 1988 when I was 18 years old. That's how that's how long I've known a few of the guys in the band. I've known wow. Mike and Kelly that long. Um, so you know, I was always a fan. I I I grew up playing these songs. Um, and coming into being the drummer in the band, I wanted to maintain, you know. the Kelly's spirit on the old songs but you know slowly but surely I've been interjecting my own little things here and there but it pretty much stays true to form to the way the songs are played initially Um, but when it came to writing my own drum parts the guys wanted me to be me and that's the thing I wanted to do too I wanted to you know put my own stamp on these songs and not make it sound like another drummer so you know that's why there's more double bass on the record there's a a lot of the two-handed writing stuff that I'm known for You know, a lot of my little signature licks here and there are, you know, peppered throughout that record. So, but it was still not, I didn't really, you know, write the drum parts in any way to make it like a drum album per se. It's just, you know, I wanted to do the best parts I can, I could come up with the best parts I could come up with, but meanwhile, still maintain the integrity of the song.
3: Right on. And producer wise, who did you work with on the album?
2: Uh, Chris Collier ended up producing it for us, did a great job.
3: Yeah, definitely. And again, guys, this is the self-titled Flotsam and Jetsam record. It is out now. Yep. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. The CD is out. Um, why did you guys go with a self? It's
2: primarily on AFM Records too. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's let's not leave the record label out. AFM right Records. <laughs> on.
3: Right on. Right on. Any uh, any reason that you went with a self-titled you know title for this?
2: Yeah, because after so many years and the band being, you know, 30 years old, you know, there's new members and and new life. So we kind of just wanted to sort of, you know, not really start over again, but it's a rebirth. So we said, let's do a self-title this time.
3: Cool. And besides yourself and and Eric and Michael, can you run down the current lineup? What's that? Besides yourself and, and Eric and Michael, can you run down who else is in the band?
2: Uh, it's AK, myself, Michael Gilbert, Michael Spencer, and uh, Steve Conley on guitar.
3: Nice. Cool. And let's change gears just a little bit. You mentioned Shadows Fall. Is it? Is it It's still the, the hiatus is happening? John is off with Anthrax. I mean, is there any updates on the future of Shadows Fall?
2: Uh, we don't really know yet, you know. We're we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's okay. one of those things where um <sighs> you know, with John being busy with anthrax and John and John being busy with anthrax and me with flotsam and Matt doing uh um Matt doing act defiance <clears throat> we don't know what's gonna happen with that. You know, we're, we're if there's a time and place for it and we all have time, we definitely wanna do it. But um we're just not sure yet.
3: <laughs> right on. Now, you've done some work with anthrax in the past, uh, too. Is that connection through John? How how did that all come about?
2: No, John had nothing to do with that. I, yeah. I'm the one that got John anthrax. Right? Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Um, I've been filling in for Charlie since 2006, and that's just because I'm, you know, Charlie's one of my dear friends. Right. Um, And I did a bunch of... Uh, touring with them in 2012 and during that time Rob Caggiano kept saying he was going to leave and he kept asking me if John would be able to do the gig and I said of course he would and uh, next thing you know he left and John's in the band now
3: (laughs) right on right on cool and let's talk about your equipment what what type of drums cymbals hardware are you using
2: um pearl drums Zildjian cymbals
3: um
2: I've been with Pearl now for over three years and they just make incredible drums. Um, proud Zildjian cymbal endorser. I use ProMark sticks with my signature series 5BX,
3: uh,
5: Remo drum
2: heads, DW pedals, Gator cases, and, uh, LP percussion
3: nice and you're such an incredible drummer with such great feel and, and technique who who Thank you. O- outside of of let's say outside of metal and outside of hard rock who who are some of your favorite drummers outside of the again the metal genre
2: there's just too many to list you know um Neil Peart is my favorite drummer in the world, and he always will be um but, you know, my, my influences go up and up and down. But if we're going to talk about not, you know, if we're just going to talk about non-metal drummers, yeah. you know, Steve Smith, Dave Weckl, Gavin Harrison, Terry Bozio, Billy Cobham, you know, just all the, all the greats. You know, Steve Smith is my favorite modern day drummer. Um, Neil's my favorite drummer, period. But, but Steve is my favorite, my favorite drummer, as far as the guy who, who still just like blows me away every time I see him and he just get, he's getting, he's getting older and older and he gets wiser and wiser and he becomes such a, he's such an amazing player and he's always, he's always trying to get better. And that's the thing that I think is so cool Right, is that he, he just, he, at his level, Okay. At the level he's at, which is, you know, top professional journey, every other thing that he does, he's still trying to get better every single time. Wow. And I think that's just an amazing, I think that's an amazing feat right there because someone who's that good could literally just sit back and be like, yeah, I'm not good. I don't need to practice anymore. But he's still just constantly like, how can I get better? How can I get better? How can I do that? You know, and I just think that's just an amazing thing.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Do you spend a lot of time practicing like when you're not on tour?
2: Yeah, I'd spend as much time as I can. Um, that's for sure. You know, I'm I'm good for, if I'm home and I'm off tour, I play at least five to six days
3: a week. Very cool. And I was reading on your Wikipedia page that you once jammed an acoustic set with, with George Lynch, which I found interesting because, you know, you're known for Shadows Fall, Flotsam and Jetsam, doing work with Anthrax. Are you, are you into the, the commercial hard rock stuff like, like George. Lynch's. Wait, can you
1: say
2: that? You, you, you cut out. I didn't hear what you said. Oh. Um, an acoustic set with who?
3: With George Lynch. Uh, I was reading on oh, you. Oh
2: yeah, that was what. What that was is that was a that was a Nam party. That was a Nam party that Stu Ham asked me if I wanted to do. Stu Ham and I were just just I just did a clinic tour together that year, and he called me up and he says, "Hey, I got to do this Washburn party at Nam." with this guitar player, George Lynch, would you want to play drums? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I don't know who this guy is. I go, George Lynch was one of the most amazing guitar players in the 80s. from
1: Doc, Right. You know? Yeah.
2: So, so yeah, we, we did some, we did some stuff together. It was, it was fun. Are,
3: are you a big fan of the commercial kind of hard rock and metal stuff from the 80s?
2: Some of it. Yeah. Cool. Doc and I loved, Rat I loved, you know, but there's a lot of those bands too that, um, I didn't really care for.
3: Her. Right. <laughs> cool. And and Jason before We
2: won't, won't mention we won't mention any names.
3: No need to mention names, definitely. And but be- <laughs> before I let you go, I saw you had tweeted about a drummer named uh Gus Rios and his need for eye surgery and I'm going to link his GoFundMe page through the show notes on talkingmetal.com but could you talk a little bit about Gus and, and yeah, his that'd needs? that'd be
2: great. Yeah, Gus is a really good friend of mine. He's uh he's uh, another one of my Florida drum brothers. Um I live in New York, but we also have a a a place in Florida and we have a lot of there's a lot of there's a bunch of us drummers that hang out together down there when we're all down there. Me, Derek Roddy, Gus, Patrick Johansson who played in Yngwie's band and Nicole McBrain, you might know that guy. He played sure. in Iron mean.
5: Maiden. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so so, we, we all kind of hang out together when we're in Florida, and Gus is having uh, some health problems. He's got got, glau- uh, got glaucoma and needs to have an eye surgery. So, you know, some of us have been trying to help uh, push his GoFundMe campaign so he can afford to have that surgery done so he can afford to keep playing. You know, Gus is the drummer of Manevolent Creation for years and he plays in a band called Gruesome Right Now. And uh, we're just trying to, you know, come together as a community to help him out
3: absolutely hopefully the talking metal listeners can check out the gofundme page for gus it'll be linked through today's show notes on talkingmetal.com jason thanks so much for for joining us and thanks for this great new flotsam and jetsam record the self-titled record no
2: problem thank you for the interview
3: song right there creeper that's brand new flotsam and jetsam not brand new the album's been out a little bit but you know came out this year good record really good record self-titled flotsam and jetsam record and victor of course one of the the big news stories from last week in the heavy metal hard rock world was the new metallica have you had a chance to listen to it
4: yes i've listened to it quite a bit actually
3: you dig in it or, or what do you think
4: um, <laughs> I enjoy the album. I think there are five really, really strong tracks on there. The yeah. first three okay. singles, definitely. Um, the third track I really like, uh, Now That We're Dead, which has yeah. a, a an homage to sort of um, Black Sabbath's War Pigs to me, like with what uh, Lars yeah. is playing in the beginning.
3: Yeah, dude, that's what we I mean, I have in my show notes here. Now that we're dead is my my favorite song <laughs> off the record. So, yeah. yeah
4: my, mine too. Um here he, here is my issue, partly because everyone is saying, "Oh, this is the best album since whatever." And I'm thinking, "Did you not listen to Death Magnetic?" <laughs> right. Um I personally, I think Death Magnetic is a much stronger album. Uh it is a lot more Varied with the um, with the music actually, and I mean it's sort of shocking to find out little by little uh, that Kirk had no say whatsoever on the album. I mean I wonder if that goes back to him losing uh, you know his iPhone with all of the riffs he had written, and um, right. and B apparently Robert Trujillo in an interview with not sure if it's rolling stone or with who pretty much said that this is a lars album that lars sort of spearheaded everything and it's basically his baby um so that doesn't surprise me because a lot of the songs really have the same sort of feel to them as in you know if people haven't listened to the album to me it feels like a mix of you know, Devil Dance off of Reload, and almost like a, a sad but right. true type thing. Everything is very mid tempo, except for the three first singles and uh, Spit Out the Bone or however it's called, which is the last track. And um, it was funny because a lot of people were saying, "Wow, this is so cool! If these, you know, if this is how the album is actually lining up, you know, it's gonna be great." And my interpretation was, well, yeah, it, they're there, but between Atlas Rise and the last track, there's eight songs that sound a hell of a lot the same. They're not bad.
3: I mean, I'm not. Somebody said on Facebook. I don't. I don't know if if it was Chris from Decibel Geek or somebody said it would make a really good EP. And I, I definitely yeah. agree with that, you know, um, yeah,
1: yeah, Chris yeah to me, that. like,
3: yeah, the, the day that never comes off of death magnetic to me, I, I want to hear a Metallica record, in that vein, the whole album, like start to finish, you know, death magnetic had songs that sounded like vintage or your classic era Metallica, but it also had some songs that sounded more like something from the load era, you know, I I don't know. I just feel like I'm the verdict's still out on this new record for me, but, um, I have seen people just freaking going crazy about it on, on Facebook and seen yeah. some reviews and stuff. And I'm not there yet. I think it's a good record. I'm totally excited. I want to go see Metallica as many times as I possibly can on this, this next tour. I love seeing them live. There's, uh, there's so much fun. But, um, as far as this, like being the greatest record since, you know, the black album or something, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not there yet.
4: Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Personally, I would put Death Magnetic and Load over this. Um, Okay. Again, it's got five tremendous tracks off of it. It's got a bunch of other tracks that are good tracks. And had this have come out the year after Death Magnetic, I would have been like, "All right, this is this is a really cool album." But it's been eight years. (laughs) You know, that's something else that sort of factors into all of this. Where you know, had Kiss have put this out? let's say if if they put out something that was subpar to monster let's say how many people would have absolutely just crapped over this and said oh it's just a watered down version of this but for some reason this is getting you know as you're saying there are all these rave reviews about it i know some people have said well finally it's got decent production right but if if Saint Anger had decent production on it, would that make some of the songs off of that a lot better? Would it make you all of a sudden say, "Well, it's the best album since the, the you know, the Black Album?" I think there has to be like some type of a you know, meeting halfway. The material has to be good, the sound has to be good. I get it that a lot of people don't like the saturated sound of Death Magnetic, but I mean, I I want more variation and and again well Chinese democracy is a perfect example of taking so long to come out and then people say well it's not this it's not that but this somehow with a lot of people is have it's received a pass it's not right. a crap album <laughs> it's definitely not you know for my estimate and I know that you enjoyed Lulu uh, to an extent but Yeah, it's not
3: something, it's not my go to record. I, I, every now and again will listen to it and it's just so bizarre that I, I admire the artsiness of it. But, um, yeah, I couldn't hum one melody off the record for you (laughs) right this minute, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
4: Right. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I I guess. In the in the overall scheme of things, I mean when you're putting a Metallica playlist, I think in the end you're you're gonna, you know, listen to those five tracks that really stand out that'll go in your playlist and you'll probably eventually forget about the other ones until you revisit the album. I mean it's definitely as you're saying, it's 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 not it's not Ride the Lightning, it's not the black album and you know, it's it's good. It's not shit, but Right. I wanted a little more. Let let me put it to you that way.
3: <laughs> right on, right on. Victor, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? Is it is it Twitter? Is it Facebook?
4: Uh, Facebook is probably the best. Um, I mean, if if they just want to hit up my, uh, well, actually, Twitter and Facebook. If okay. you go to VMR nine zero seven, you can contact uh, you know with me directly if you want. To comment on any of the shows, I mean the best place to go to is um, marsattacksradio.com and there's links to the um, social media sites, the same thing for Galaxy of Geeks, that's galaxyofgeeks.net and um, also if you want to check out my other site which is earpeeler.com which is basically a podcasting hub per se which – where you can search out bands, genres, cool. uh, and find out all types of interviews that aren't featured on some of your other big-name sites. It's it's a supplement to your usual uh, news browsing experience, is what I would say.
3: Absolutely. And we will definitely have all that stuff linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com, as well as the hotline number if you want to call in like our, our listeners did today. Special thanks to Joey, David, jb and jerry for calling in appreciate that Uh, i want to hear from you guys the the hotline number is listed in the show notes again on talkingmetal.com you can use our amazon links uh through talkingmetal.com. you guys know how that works there's a paypal donation tab there is uh my snapchat info my twitter info my facebook info my instagram info it's all up there in the show notes for today's episode and a big special thanks to uh to dustin for lining up the interview with jason today from flotsam and Z- jetsam special thanks to victor great talking with you victor
4: absolutely it's uh, always a lot of fun to catch up with you and come on the show
3: yeah we'll do it again soon this is now that we're dead a little sound sample of Metallica to take us out. Of course, go buy the full version of this song on iTunes, or listen to it on Spotify, or, you know, in some some place where it's illegal for you to listen to the whole thing. Um, and, again, you guys are the greatest. I really appreciate you sticking with me through all the the different uh, variations of Talking Metal, and it's good to talk through some of that today with, uh, with you, Victor, and with, with you listeners. So here we go. Me- new Metallica here on Talking Metal. We'll talk to you next time.